0: Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to share with you that my online course, The Neurodiverse Classroom, is available now for elementary teachers. You can enroll anytime at learnwithdremilycom teachers. I created this course because every classroom is already a neurodiverse classroom. You became a teacher because you love watching students thrive, but you're starting to question if you can meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners. I see you. You are emotionally exhausted, especially after the past three years, but you're not alone and I'm here to help. So if you're ready to learn how to connect with every student and unlock their spark for learning again, sign up at learnwithdoctoremily.com teachers. That's learnwithdoctoremily.com teachers. Okay, y'all let's start the show. Welcome to learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, who has learned over the years that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack or listen here. So we know from neuroscience that a safe adult-child relationship is the container for healthy development and learning. This sense of safety grows out of feeling emotionally co-regulated within a relationship and is the foundation needed for children to face challenges, take risks, make mistakes, and feel confident to try again. As adults, we must first strengthen our own emotional regulation in addition to better understanding the neurodiverse needs of our kids. This podcast is intentionally a space for parents and teachers raising and teaching neurodivergent youth. Some posts will lean more towards parenting and some more towards education. I encourage you to stay for it all. Parents need to hear the perspectives of our teachers and educators need to hear the perspectives of parents. I truly believe that listening to each other, the challenges and success we all face, is not only missing from the current conversation in parenting and education, but is likely the key to building collaborative relationships that will foster the success for all of our children. If you wanna hear more about resources I love and never miss updates on any of my own online resources for parents and teachers, join my weekly newsletter list at learnwithdremily.com. So let's get started. This week, we are talking about one of the most frequently asked questions I get in my psychology practice, which is, how do I tell my kids about their diagnosis? How do I talk to them about neurodivergence? So our children are growing up in schools filled with neurodiverse learners, and while this gives me hope for normalizing the presence of neurodiversity, inclusive mindsets don't just appear. We must explicitly teach our kids about their own brains and the importance of respecting the neurodiversity of their peers in order for inclusive mindsets to extend into their future workplace and communities. Understanding neurodiversity is just as important as teaching our children to embrace diversity in race, ethnicity, gender, and sexuality, and religion among their peers who are all worthy of love and opportunity in this world. Celebrating neurodiversity begins with helping children understand their own strengths and needs for support. Once children understand themselves, they begin to realize that everyone has their own constellation of abilities, And when we work together as a group, classroom, or community, we can accomplish things we can't do alone. So while we are all neurodiverse as a population, some of us are neurodivergent. Most people who consider themselves neurodivergent have been diagnosed with autism, ADHD, anxiety giftedness learning disabilities or a combination of all of those things it's incredibly important for children and teens to begin understanding their own neurodivergence especially if academics or social interactions begin to feel difficult for them we don't want children to believe they are not working hard enough or that they are less worthy than their peers who can keep up in class or easily make friends without support how we advocate as parents in front of our children becomes their inner voice as they begin to advocate for themselves. So one of the most frequently asked questions, as I said, was how do I tell my kid about their diagnosis? This task feels daunting because no one wants to tell someone that there's something different about them, especially when that someone is our precious child. You don't want to hurt them and you don't want them to ever think that they are quote unquote less than. I believe that we, the adults, are actually the ones with the baggage about the quote-unquote different meaning being something negative. While different might mean that something is harder for your child, different never means less than. So I prefer to not even use the word diagnosis and instead focus on abilities and needs for support. We all have abilities and we all have needs. So let's just understand them and support one another. So first, focus on your child's abilities. So we know from research in the field of positive psychology that whatever we are thinking of and focusing on, we get more of or we notice more of. So if we only focus on what our children cannot do, we will notice more barriers, more challenges, and more frustration. If we focus on what they can do, not only will our children notice their skills, but this allows us, the adults, to get creative in helping support to make these skills evolve in frequency and independence. This is what I want children to know and trust. You won't be good at everything, but you can be really good at your thing. If you need help with the other stuff, we can figure out a path to get you there. As a writer and educator, Jessica Leahy says, most of our kids are quote-unquote perfectly average, and our American education system is designed with a general curriculum for this reason. However, when our children begin to notice their differences, we need to educate them about their brain. We also need to provide them with individualized and differentiated instruction through 504 plans, IEPs, and gifted and talented curriculum. So, first start with arming yourself with knowledge. One of the most important reasons for your child to receive a thorough developmental or psychoeducational evaluation is to create a roadmap of their strengths and needs for support from adults in their life to better understand them. Without this information, people start to make assumptions about your child. So the information from these evaluations will also help you teach your child how they learn and understand which skills they can do independently and which areas they need to ask for help. Hey y'all, I'm excited to announce that registration is now open for my summer workshops for elementary educators. We will be joining each other live via zoom on Wednesday mornings in July to learn about reframing behavior, designing social emotional lesson plans, how to write social stories that work, and also how to teach children about each other's neurodiversity to learn more, go to learnwithdoctoremily.com summer now back to the show. So while I never recommend sharing specific scores from an evaluation with children, understanding ranges of skills can help um, them feel, you know, Enlightened they all of a sudden start to understand. Oh, I do feel like I'm above my peers in that area Or I'm a little bit behind my peer my peers when I'm asked to do something timed So consult with the psychologist who completed your child's evaluation and come up with a plan to talk to them about How their brain works when they're developmentally ready? So that begs the question when are they ready? So like everything else in child development there is no magical age They are all on their own path and you will have to decide when your child is ready. One rule of thumb though, like other tough conversations, is that talking to your child about their abilities and needs for support is not a one-time conversation. Usually children are ready to talk about their learning style when they're beginning to question their abilities. What are they noticing? It's best to begin talking to your child when they're starting to notice frustration, the first sign of frustration. Many kids wrongly assume that they're no good at everything when they're actually struggling with just one thing. And this is because kids tend to be pretty concrete in their thinking. So help them understand why or If you don't know why they're struggling with something, you're going to work with their teacher to figure it out. Maybe they've noticed that they're awesome at understanding things when talking to people, but then really struggle when they have to put a puzzle together. Maybe they have noticed that their brother just shrugs things off and moves on when there's a setback or a change and they have a huge upset reaction. Maybe they can understand everything the teacher explains, but they work much more slowly than their peers. Once children begin to notice these differences, it's time to educate them on what I call their smarts. So understanding their smarts is important because children are concrete and many of our neurodivergent kids are also literal thinkers even later into development. So understanding physical differences is a helpful framework to begin. So start by explaining the different abilities that your child can see, such as a classmate with diabetes who needs an insulin pump or a friend who wears glasses. Once they have a solid understanding of varying abilities and needs for support, you can also explain that there are some differences that you cannot see because they're inside our brain. I like to call these inside-our-brain abilities are quote-unquote smarts, and some are bigger than others. So there are two books I like to use. One is by Imagination Press called um, All Our Smarts, and one is by Social Thinking and the Social Detective book, and it goes into talking about different sizes of smarts. So many children assume that academic skills are the only kind of smarts we have, which is incorrect. We do have math smarts, reading smarts, but we also have music smarts and sports smarts and computer and social and emotional smarts, and the list goes on. Once children are clear on all of their smarts, we can explain to them that some smarts are weaker or smaller than other smarts that are stronger or bigger and we need a strategy to support the ones that are weaker we have to practice and learn to grow those smarts now you can explain the purpose of therapies or tutoring that your child currently has or might remember so for instance you can say remember miss april who you used to play with at ot she was helping your brain get better at being in charge of your body especially when you got excited or upset remember miss robin who you used to play word games with?" She was helping grow the part of your brain that's in charge of talking so you can tell people your ideas with words. And you see Dr. Emily to practice noticing big feelings, how to talk about them, and solving problems with friends so you can have more fun. So some combinations of strengths and needs have a name. So while it's important to lay the foundation of helping your child understand their strengths and needs, it's also helpful for them to understand that some combinations of strengths and needs have a name. This can help your child identify with other children or adults who also have a similar pattern of strengths and needs. For children with autism it can be helpful to explain that when you have a a, what i call a super smart for instance a high interest area or an enthusiasm like listing all the u.s presidents in order or naming all the countries on a world map it's helpful for them to understand that not everybody can do that so along with the need for support with language or social development and anxiety and sensory sensitivities and a combo of these super smarts they have or targeted specific enthusiasm that they have that that constellation of smarts is called the autism spectrum i intentionally leave out the word disorder only because i rarely if ever find that word helpful I usually use a Venn diagram to help kids understand the different areas of strengths and needs to draw it out and that also will change over time. You can use that visual for any diagnosis so that children can see what their abilities are all connected to. And you can head over to my Substack if you want to see um, that visual of that Venn diagram. There's an example in the blog post. So just imagine this. Disabilities are just a variety of abilities, and some need extra support as we're helping kids gain skills and we're helping them become more independent and confident. Adults can identify these needs and compassionately help kids, model for them to do the same for each other. So once we normalize that everyone has different abilities and needs, children will just become open and curious and compassionate about everyone's style of learning so neurodiversity can be understood and celebrated. So let's stay connected, and I will see you in a few days with another post.